2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Somebody slap your neighbor and tell him never give up. Slap your other neighbor and tell him quit hitting me. We don't give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. You see, anybody who's going to be intellectually honest will have to come to the understanding. They will have to come to a place where they admit this is the word of God. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. And I believe this church preaches the exact same message in this 21st century context that Jesus Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to know the glory of God in your life? Want to see the face of God shining in Jesus Christ? We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power. Again, I ask you to poke your neighbor and tell him our great power. If you got to get up and move and poke a neighbor, you go ahead and do that. Might help you stay awake this late Wednesday evening. Our great power is not from God or is from God. Not from ourselves. Boy, that could change the whole context of the night, right? Bless God. See, a fragile clay jar. Isn't it interesting that he is the potter and we are the clay? And yet his word intentionally describes us as a fragile clay jar. Could it be that God intends for us to be fragile clay jars? That he wants us to be something that would be easily broken and shattered? He is the potter after all, and I'm just the clay. But God has put something inside of each of us. Now, we have our moments, we have our days, but for the most part, we are very fragile. And it usually does not take much for each of us to have a a down day or something broken inside of us. But when we reach a place where we realize that power is not from us, it is from God. Our fragility becomes power. Now, with your attention and the help of the Lord for the next few moments, I want to teach on when they see. Can we pray together in this place?
If you would put your Bible now and lift a hand up to the air, maybe lay a hand on a neighbor's shoulder and ask God to invade this place. Let his presence sweep over and move over every heart and every mind in the name of Jesus. God, I believe that you have given me a word for this moment. And I love this church, God. I love the people of this church. I pray that you would help me to relay it uh, as you have given it to us. Uh, I pray that there would be a hunger and a desire in our hearts for more of you. I come against any spirit, human or hellish, that would try to stop uh, or hinder or interrupt the flow of the Spirit of God in this place. I pray that your perfect will would be accomplished. Your perfect will would be done in Jesus' name I pray. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. We're going to talk just for the next few moments about when they see. Now, the portion of scripture we started out reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, there is a word there that is therefore. Therefore means for that reason. It means consequently or as a consequence of, therefore introduces a statement resulting from or caused by what immediately precedes that statement. The preceding statement, of course, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, Corinthians is written as a letter without chapter and verse format that we have so become accustomed to. And so it's a continuation of the previous thought. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we find that there is a discussion of the old covenant and there's a veil over the face of Moses due to the glory of God that Moses has spent time in and dwelling in. But Paul reminds us that this new covenant that you and I walk in is so much better than the old. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12, he says, This new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. For we are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. You see, that first covenant brought condemnation and that glory was destined to fail. And the people that Moses interacted with could not stand the glory that shone off of his face. And so it was required that Moses would cover it. But the people's minds, verse 14, were hardened. And to this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Yes, today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil and they do not understand. I believe this goes beyond just a simple description of the world in Paul's day and age. It goes beyond just a simple description as we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that believe not. Because the God of this world understands that when they see, there is going to come a change in their heart. When they see God, the glory of God shining through the people of God, there's going to be a change. There's going to be a revelation of who he is. There's going to be a demonstration of who he is. Now, when someone turns to the truth, verse 16, or turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away from their eyes. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
So all of us that have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, God has been dealing with us as a church over these last few days about becoming more and more like him, changing more and more into his glorious image. I am not the light that is in this world. Uh, if I'm the light that is in this world, this world is in trouble. The light source doesn't come from me, but the more and more that I am purely modeling Jesus Christ to this world, uh, the better the reflection off of me there is in into this world and everybody can now see God demonstrated in my life. And because that veil is taken off of us, we don't ever have to give up. We can have a confidence. We, we have rejected shameful deeds and methods because we're becoming made in the image of Jesus Christ. And we are shining the light of the good news into this world. Now, pastor preached it just a few weeks ago. There's a burden that must accompany vision. You see, once that veil is removed and we begin to see the purpose and the mission of Jesus Christ, it should stir something inside of our hearts for those with the veil still in place. Once we begin to have the image of Jesus formed inside of us, now, now we see people whose minds are hardened and we see people who are going through the very same things that we were and we're trying to shine the light, but it's being blocked by that veil. There's a burden that comes with that vision. You see, there's just something about the power of seeing it for yourself. Think back to a moment in your life where you got a revelation and you got an understanding of a biblical principle. Or think back to the first moment in your life where you felt the presence of God moving. And think back to a special moment in prayer where you, you could feel God moving all throughout that prayer room. And your arm hair began to tingle and you began to feel something you've never felt before. You see, when you, you get into the presence of God like you've never been or that day you were first filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there's something different. No longer are we just talking about it. Now we're seeing it. And no longer is it just something intellectual. Now it's something that you've interacted with and you've begun to taste it and you've begun to experience it for yourself. Now we live in a world that is blinded by the God of this world. There is a literal veil of unbelief that is clogging their face. I believe there is a veil of distraction that is clogging their face. There is a, a veil of hopelessness that is covering their face. But you and I are commanded to be the light that shines into the darkness. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, it says this, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, I do believe that we can, we do, and we should continue good deeds of service. I believe that this church has, has built a children's ministry based on that. That there is a desire and a hunger inside of individual hearts and lives to shine the light of Jesus Christ into this community so everybody can see it uh, by the good works and the good deeds that are done. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, 
Peter writes and says, in the same way, wives, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Oh, man, I thought there'd be an amen there or something. Nothing. All right. Wow, we could stop there for a little bit. We won't, though, because let's go onward. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Now, I believe this does not only apply to women, but that we do and we should continue to strive to allow our pure and reverent lives to shine the light, to show the love of God into this community. There should be a noticeable difference inside the heart of everybody sitting in this room. There should be a noticeable lifestyle difference before the world. There should be a separation to the world. Not that anybody's any better, but it's a devotion unto God and it's a desire to please God and our faithfulness and our purity and our reverence towards God uh, are shining a light into this world. John chapter 13 and verse 35, Jesus tells his disciples that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I believe we must be a church filled with the love of Jesus Christ for each other. We must be a church filled with love and compassion for the body. What, what kind of healthy body has a hand that hates the other hand? What kind of healthy body could have a, a foot that works against the other foot? Now, if you're anything like me, I'm all thumbs. I have the athletic ability of a walrus. It's, it's not pretty. And at times I, I get out there and I bring a whole lot of gusto and a whole lot of uh, energy to whatever sport I'm playing. But it's, it's ugly to watch because this part is not in harmony with this part. But there is to be a demonstrable love one to another. There's a special thing when the pastor loves the saint. And the saint loves the pastor. And the saint loves the saint. And it's to demonstrate, it's to show the world uh, that when visitors walk into this church or we interact with people outside uh, of the walls of this church, there is a visible love between us uh, where Jared and Troy visibly love each other uh, in a very macho, manly, Holy Ghost sanctified way where each of us has a love uh, and a compassion in love preferring one another ahead of themselves. I believe we ought to love one another in that way. But I believe there is one more element of light that can be added to this church. And that is the element I want to talk about for the next few moments. And that element is simply this. It is the element of the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. It is what inspired the prophet to pen the words, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It is a verse we like to quote when we feel powerless, but it is not often a verse that we quote when we want and we are desiring and intentionally becoming fragile vessels. It's a verse that we need to hold on to and we need to understand a little bit better. 
The early church, it's true, did not rely on advertising and nice signage and good social media posts. And I'm not preaching against those things tonight. I believe we should utilize every part of that. And the cleanliness and the care that we show for the building that God has blessed us with should be an example of our reverence for the kingdom of God. But something about the early church was a little bit different than what I think we have experienced in 21st century Pentecost. You see, everywhere that they went, there was a demonstration of the power of God. And you can argue and you can say, well, that was a different time. That was a different era. That was a different church. There was a, just a different dispensation. Uh, but when you read your Bible and you begin to read through Haggai, it's not going to be on your screen. There's a promise in Haggai chapter 2 that the glory of the latter house was going to be greater than the glory of the former house. And there's an outpouring of the Holy Ghost that the latter rain is going to fall together. And I just don't see how that's going to happen uh, if all we've got is a nice building and all we've got is our love one for another. And we need all of those things. Uh, but somewhere along the line, uh, there's got to resume a hunger for an absolute demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Uh, somewhere along the line, uh, there's got to be a desire uh, for Jared to be done preaching uh, and the Holy Ghost to sweep in through this place. Uh, there's got to be a desire that once again, uh, when sinners walk into our church. Uh, not even a word has to be said, uh, but the power of God would meet them uh, and the glory of God would fall uh, and the reverence of God uh, would drag a sinner to the altar where they would cast themselves. Uh, you see, I read about those things and I wonder. You see, everywhere they went, God went with them. The lame were healed. The dead were raised. Those lying to the Holy Ghost were smote dead. That's kind of both ways. And on January 15th of this year, God gave me a portion of Scripture that I'm about to share with you. And I wasn't sure when I was to preach it or even where. But last night during church prayer, I felt such a strong confirmation in the Holy Ghost. And I want to bring to you what I believe is a word of encouragement for this church. We're all familiar with the story of Joseph and his brothers in Genesis. For the sake of time, we won't read through an entire narrative, but there's a very dysfunctional, very broken family where this, this guy has four wives, essentially, and they're, they're battling and competing against each other. And out of that situation, Jacob picks one son to favor and to honor as his favorite son. Sounds like a recipe for success, right? Now, my parents are in this place, and I know that I was their favorite child, and so we, we can settle that. And we can understand that. But Joseph is not the oldest son. In fact, he's not even close to the oldest son. But Jacob begins to elevate him. And he begins to lift him up. And Joseph has dreams. And his, his brothers hate him all the more. And they cannot even speak to him peaceably. And we pick up the narrative in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 32. Jace, jo Jacob has sent Joseph out to check on his brothers and they see him coming in the distance and they begin to mock him and they begin to plot. 
And they decide that they're going to kill him. And it's only by the grace and the mercy of his older brother, Reuben, that instead of killing him, they throw him in an empty pit to decide what to do later. And in an act of mercy, instead of bringing his blood on their own head, they decide, you know what, let's just sell him into slavery. That seems better than killing him, doesn't it? And so they sell him into slavery and they take the coat of many colors. They bring it to their father and say, look, we we found this. Is this your son's coat or not? Verse 33 says he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. What an amazing leap that Jacob makes. There's there's this leap. And of course, he's led that direction. He's prompted that direction and pushed that direction. But nobody said an evil beast devoured him. And nobody said he was rent in pieces. There wasn't even a glimmer of hope in Jacob's mind. Uh, It's amazing uh, what a negative word can do to our flesh. It's amazing uh, when we internalize it and allow it to begin to speak to us. And we allow it to begin to replay through our mind. And we allow our mind to begin to run a scenario. Joseph had told. Jacob his dreams and Joseph had told Jacob what was going to happen and yet Jacob uh, refused to believe there was any hope and Jacob rent his clothes he put on sackcloth on his loins and he mourned for his son many days and all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him but he refused to be comforted and he said I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning He said, I'm going to die and go see Joseph again. And his father wept for him. And we're familiar mostly with what happened to Joseph in Egypt. God, uh, though it looked like a dire situation, had his hand firmly upon the life of Joseph. And there's this roller coaster ride of seeming success and now back to the dungeon and now elevated within the prison and then forgotten in the prison. And in one day and one moment, God remembers Joseph and elevates him to the number two seat in all of Egypt. And God begins to operate and work through Joseph. And then one day his brothers show up. The famine is in the land. The brothers are there. But Joseph, who has gone through all of this testing and all of this trial, has come through it with the understanding that it was of God. Everything that he faced was of God. This being sold into slavery was of God. Uh, The test and the trial was of God. Uh, And so Joseph readily forgives his brothers and he falls on their necks and they weep together. And there's reconciliation that occurs. And in Genesis chapter 45. Pharaoh finds out what's going on and it pleases him. And Joseph inquires about his father. And it says in Genesis chapter 45 that Joseph loads them down with wagons and with the goods of the land and with balm and with spices and with a demonstration or a show of the wealth of Egypt. And he sends them back to retrieve his father. In verse 25 of Genesis chapter 45, it says they went up out of the land of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. 
You see, he decided about 20 years ago his son was dead. It was over. It was hopeless. And there are people in this room today that have decided already it's done, it's over, it's hopeless. This situation can't be addressed. This problem can't be dealt with. We live in a community that is filled with people uh, that have decided it's done, it's over, it's hopeless. I'm powerless to affect the situation. They have decided that it is, it is impossible for change to occur in their lives. And Jacob's heart fainted. There was nothing left inside of him. He did not believe him. And they told him, verse 27, all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, something happened inside of Jacob. When he saw a glimpse of what Joseph was able to do, when he saw a glimpse of what was able to transpire, when it was no longer just words, but now there was a demonstration attached to those words. And there was no longer just the report of Reuben saying, come on, dad, I'm telling you, Joseph is alive. And there was no longer just the report of Simeon saying, come on, uh, Joseph is alive. But Jacob went outside the tent and there's a line of wagons filled with goods. And he looked outside from this way to that way and he saw everything that Joseph had sent, uh, his spirit inside of him revived. We live in an area of hopelessness. Jacob had spent those 20 years believing Joseph was dead, uh, but now his sons were saying he's alive. And many around us have spent so long uh, thinking there's no hope. Uh, and the Jesus church has the audacity to come along uh, and begin to preach that you can be delivered from drugs. Uh, you can be delivered from alcohol. You can be set free from depression. You can be broke free from anxiety. Uh, you can get out of a generation of bitterness. You can uh, be ripped out of it. But our words uh, seem so incredible to their minds. That they refuse to believe. They've got a veil over their eyes that has to be removed. It has to be shattered. Because when they see, when they understand, when it's not just our words, but there's a demonstration of God's power and love into their life, and that veil is lifted, they're going to be like you and I were the very first time. The baptism of the Holy Ghost swept over our life. They're going to be like you and I were when God took that bottle out of our hands. They're going to be like you and I were when God ripped that depression out of our lives and began to replace it with with peace uh, and with joy. And their spirit is going to revive inside of them. Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. He's hated by his brothers. He's sold. He's brought low into the dungeon and then catapulted to prominence. The wagons were gifts from Joseph to strengthen, encourage, and support them to a place of safety. The gifts of the Spirit were given to us to edify and exhort, to encourage, to strengthen and support them until we reach a place of safety. Jacob was so bound by hopelessness that words alone were not going to do it in his life. It was going to take wagons 
And as powerful and as dominant as the word of God is, uh, let's make no mistake about it. The word of God uh, is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, It's forever settled in heaven. Uh, It is life. It is peace. And it is hope. Uh, But we've reached a place uh, where it might take just a little bit more uh, than the word. It's going to take some wagons pulling onto the scene. Uh, It's going to take the glory and demonstration of God in their life uh, through some fragile vessels seated in this room uh, to rip that veil off of their eyes. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20 says, they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. In Acts chapter 4, we find one of the first instances of pressure applied to the early church. Peter and John were simply going to worship at the temple and ended up letting their fragile vessel shine through and raised a lame man up and all the crowd saw the lame man. uh, And when they saw it, opened an opportunity for the word of God to be preached. The Pharisees were angry and furious and they imprisoned them. And they charged them strictly to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. But look at the words of the gathered church in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29. This is my last portion of scripture. I'm done. We can all stand in this place. In response to the threatening, they had a prayer meeting. Anybody in here like being threatened? Cole's giving me a a funny look right now. Cole, I'll threaten you. After this service, I'll take you out and throw you in a snowbank. You see, when the threat's pretty believable, it's, it's not all that fun, is it? But the early church did what they knew to do. Confronted with the threat that they must stop preaching in the name of Jesus, they had a prayer meeting. And listen to the tail end of their prayer. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. You see, we've got to have great boldness in preaching the word. It is imperative. It is necessary that we bring this word of God to Watertown with boldness and with passion. But they didn't stop there. In fact, listen to the boldness they speak to God with. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Not like a, please, God, please, 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 please. We've been super good this week. I gave alms to the temple. It was a. God, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. All the believers were united in heart and mind. All the believers were united in heart and mind. All the believers were united in heart and in mind. And they felt what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. Uh, You want to talk about a sacrificial spirit uh, that's going to break down some strongholds in a city. Uh, It's an example from the early church, an attitude of sacrifice like we talked about last night. Uh, But verse 33 says, The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, uh, and God's great blessing was upon them all. 
I am not going to try to manipulate, try to push, or drive an emotional response from you right now. But hear me when I tell you, in the Holy Ghost, I believe over the last couple of days there has been a great window that has opened. A window of opportunity has opened for whoever wants to go through it. Whoever wants to step through it, God is opening an opportunity right now. If you'll think back to when Landon Gore was here, there was a promise of numerical growth, quickening spiritual maturity, a pocket of liberty in the gifts of the Spirit, and citywide recognition. I know we've heard it time and time again as a church, but I do believe we have reached a moment If we will push into his presence, everything will change. It's not going to be just words, but now there's going to be some wagons. Now there's going to be some demonstration. Now there's going to be some power uh, that begins to accompany. uh, If we will push into his presence. In the last couple of days, uh, by my count, we have seen the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation, the gift of knowledge, the gift of wisdom, uh, and the gift of faith in operation. And I'm believing and I am persuaded we are about to witness the working of miracles and the gift of healing uh, in this city and in this church as well. It is our purpose, it is our mission as a church to break the cycle of dysfunction in Watertown, uh, to break the cycle of dysfunction in individual homes. Uh, You want to talk about the myths of a dysfunctional family. uh, God plucked Joseph out of some insane circumstances uh, and built him up and raised him up out of hopeless circumstances uh, and sent it back and affected an entire nation out of one man. God is busy taking care of the flesh, calling us deeper into him. You see, the flesh is quite capable of blocking the light from shining out from inside of us. In fact, if you don't believe me, find a source of bright light in this place. It's as easy as putting your flesh between the light and their eyes. And any time that your flesh comes between the light source and your eyes, it simply blocks it out. We're even capable of covering the light of the sun with something so simple as our hand. But when God breaks down that flesh and brings us to a place where we realize and understand that I'm just a fragile vessel and the glory and the power of God that can be demonstrated through me. God will loose something upon us. Now, I know it's a Wednesday night. And we're all still trying to figure out what that means and how that functions with the change. And like I said, I'm not going to push for a huge, long altar call or anything like that. But I feel very confident in the Holy Ghost that there is an open window for whoever wants to walk through it. Now, I don't know about you, but I am absolutely not staying where I'm at. If God has made a way for me to go deeper in him, I'm going. And so here's what I want to do as a church, if we could. If you are interested in getting more of God, this is all I'm simply asking. If you are interested in walking through that window, door, whatever phrase you want to use. Now, here's here's what I will tell you. 
It's not just going to be some miraculous thing that is exploded on your life. And now all of a sudden you have power over every form of cancer that ever walked. It's going to require us to work. It's going to require us to humble ourselves. It's going to require us to pray and fast and seek his face like never before. But I do believe there's a window for whoever wants it. If you want it and you want to walk with God in a form and in a fashion that you never have before, I would ask you to join me across this front. Uh, if you do not, that is just fine. You can stay in the seat. But if, if you're convinced and you believe uh, that God has something greater for you, if there's a situation in your life that you know uh, and you understand that words is no longer doing it and word is no longer taking care of it, it's going to take a demonstration of the power of God, uh, then this is the place for you. Here's what I want to do as a church. If we could simply lift our hands in this place, and I told you I'm not going to make a strong emotional push. I'm not going to try to manipulate this thing, but I do believe that God is wanting to be here in this moment and speak. And I believe that there is a growing maturity in the core of this church, uh, that in the last week, uh, this church has advanced by leaps and bounds. In the last week, uh, saints in this church have put down roots that are going to sustain them and grow them. In the last week, there have been people uh, that have made decisions and consecrations that are going to bless them uh, Time and time again. Uh, and right now, uh, right now that door is open. Uh, right now that moment is open. Let's step through it together. Uh, let's step through it together. I want it, Jesus. Uh, I want it, God. Uh, I don't want to stay the same. Uh, but I believe it and I claim it. Uh, I believe you will work with